Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show that receives zero Oscar nominations this year, and for a very good reason, it sucks. Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit, here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine. Hey, happy March 1st. Uh, Did we enjoy that extra day of February? Okay, never mind. Uh, Anyway, in tonight's show, we are, uh, I'm going to talk about uh, jarring of tobaccos. Bulk tobaccos for storage, tin tobaccos, whatever you want to talk about. We're in, however you want to call it, we're going to talk about the jarring of the uh, tobaccos for storage and aging. Uh, my guest tonight is Dan Barnes. Dan does a uh, podcast and is in the uh, more in the pipe, uh, more in the cigar and booze or cigar and drink world, but he's getting into pipes too. So you'll have to listen to that. Uh, I was on uh, Dan's show. He were recorded a show with him so have to listen for that too um mailbag music and uh oscar related rant yeah my uh my wife uh, and son watched all the uh, best picture nominees for the second or third year in a row and uh so i got kind of swept up a little bit into oscar season this year didn't pay too much attention to uh some of the best picture nominees i only saw two but anyway all right, uh, coming up in a couple of weeks, I want to give everybody a heads up. Coming up in a couple of weeks, we'll start the uh, JDRF auctions, the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation. We will start those auctions again to raise money to uh, find a cure for uh, type 1 diabetes, which my daughter has had to deal with now for coming up on uh, 9, 10 years. Wow. Um Anyway, if you have something that you would like to donate, please email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. We need to get those in as soon as possible and get those over to uh, Steve Fallon, the world-famous pipe stud, who will be running the auctions on his eBay site. All right, everybody, sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to the McBaron Tobacco Company, and here we go. Smokingpipes.com has been my family's tradition for over 10 years. My granddad enjoys his evening pipe on the front porch. My father prefers his in the study, and well, me, I like to hang outside the local coffee shop with a pipe in one hand and my smartphone in the other. The best selection is at Smokingpipes.com. They always have the exact pipe I'm looking for. Savinelli, Peterson, Dunhill, and great stuff from dozens of top artisans around the world. Plus, they have over 70 tobacco brands with 750 blends to choose from. Lighters, tampers, tobacco jars, yep, they have that too. But the best part about SmokingPipes.com is that it's easy to order from my computer, tablet, or even my smartphone. And if Granddad has trouble with technology, he can always call them at 1-888-366-0345. I heard that. Do you think I'm deaf? I'm the one who told you about SmokingPipes.com, and I had a smartphone before you. You kids today, blah, blah. SmokingPipes.com. Make it your family tradition. Welcome back. All right, so in uh, in pipe parts, and this came up over the weekend, um, and I thought maybe I had kind of explained it fairly well once or twice back about two years ago in an episode, and I couldn't really find it. 
I'll be honest with you, I didn't look that hard either. Um, but I jarred up about uh, 12 pounds of tobacco. I had some uh, some bulk tobacco, and I'll tell you what it was. It's the the H.H. Uh, McBaron Old Dark Fired in the Ready Rubbed version. I, I happen to really like that, so I got some jars and jarred them up. Well, I posted a picture on my Facebook page, and it uh, got a couple of private messages about it, whole big hubbub back and forth. Now, here's exactly what I do when I'm jarring a bulk tobacco. Um, all I'm doing is I'm packing the, I'm, I take brand new jars, brand new ones, you know, go to Walmart, buy them, brand new jars, brand new lids, brand new rings. And I pack as much tobacco as possible into each jar. I don't wash them out. I don't uh, steam them. I don't do anything fancy to the jars. The reason I don't do anything fancy to the jars is I've been inside several really fancy pipe tobacco factories, and there's nothing really fancy that's done to the tins or the uh, or the bags that the tobacco's shipped in. It's just clean, not sterile, just clean. So why do that at home? I've never had a problem with a tobacco in a jar getting moldy or dusty or whatever, and I've got some stuff that's been in jars now for eight years. All right, so I get the brand new jar, brand new ring, brand new, uh, brand new lid, and I pack them as tight as I can. If the tobacco's a little wet, if it's too wet, I'll let it dry down a little bit, not dry it down all the way to where I want to smoke it, but I'll dry it down a little bit and I'll pack as much in there. Uh, the big jars that I packed are the pint size uh, ball or whatever brand my wife bought. Um, and I got about nine ounces of tobacco into each jar. Get them tight, clamp them down, just use my hand to twist the ring on and get it as tight as possible. Then I let them sit there. I let them sit there for a day and I come back to them and I test the rings again. I tighten them down a little further. Uh, now, the, where I put them in the picture is not their final resting place because I'm getting a, a new cabinet for my pipes and pipe tobacco. Uh, but eventually they will go into a perfectly dark place. Normally, what I want to do is I want to leave them out where I can get to them, and I want to keep them in kind of a uh, kind of a warm spot because I want the tobacco inside to expand. And there's that little lid in there, the the metal lid. I want to hear it pop. I want to feel it push up. When I feel it push up, I know it has self sealed. I don't boil them in water to get them to seal. I don't do anything special like that. I just tend to leave them in a spot that's warm, maybe 72, 74 degrees. If I want to do it a little faster, I'll put them on a windowsill and let the sunshine just kind of warm the tobacco up. Now, before I put these guys away in the cabinet, I will check the rings again. And then about every uh, eh, four, five, six months, depending on when I get around to it, I go into the tobacco, into my jars of tobacco, and now keep in mind, I've already waited until the 
lids have popped up, so I know there's an air, a, a vacuum seal in there of some sort, but I'll just go back and make sure that the rings are tight. I'll just check them. I'll take a look at them, see what's there. I'll remind myself of what I've got. I have never had a problem doing it that way. I don't use any of the uh, any of the fancy uh, clamp down lid jars because those have those big silicone lids and they're expensive. Um, I don't use uh, I don't use any jar that I've used once before. Once I use it, I'm done with it. If I'm going to reuse that jar, what I will do is wash the jar in hot water with soap. Let it dry out, rinse it real, you know, rinse it real good. Let it dry out for, you know, a week or so, and then set it off to the side until I'm ready to use it. Uh, I will not reuse the rings or the metal lids. I'll buy new ones because I'm not washing those little lids. So there you go. There's a little bit of what I do when I am. Well, there's not a little bit. That's completely and exactly what I do when I'm taking a bulk tobacco and I'm jarring it up. If a tobacco comes in a tin, I'm leaving it in the tin, and we've talked about tins before and how to handle that. All right, you got any questions? Post them on the uh, Pipes Magazine radio show page on PipesMagazine.com. And in just a minute, Dan Barnes will be on the phone with me. This is Internet Radio. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. Do you need a reliable source for ordering pipes and tobacco? Do you find it difficult to get your favorite blends outside of the U.S.? Fournoggins.com stocks all of your favorite pipes and tobaccos and ships all over the world. All forms of payment are accepted and orders are processed the same day. There are no worries when ordering from Fournoggins.com. Fournoggins.com is your source for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. We ship in the U.S. and international with no worries. Fournoggins.com for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. Welcome back to the Pipes Magazine radio show, and my guest tonight joining us on the phone is a uh, fellow podcaster, a uh, young guy who's just kind of now exploring the world of pipes, but is highly fluent in cigars and booze and all kinds of alcohol, so I'm, I'm excited to have Dan Barnes on our show, so Dan, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on, I'm excited to be here with you today. Yes, yeah, so a couple of weeks back we did a, uh, uh, I was a guest on your show, which is uh, Box Press Radio, and it's available on iTunes right now, so you can go back on there and hear it. But first, let's get to know you. Uh, where did you grow up, where are you from, and all that fun stuff. Uh, well, I grew up in LaPorte, Indiana, northwest Indiana, right near Lake Michigan, um, if you're not familiar with that area, maybe you'll be familiar with the school Notre Dame. Uh, it's about 20 minutes from where I've grown up. I went to school over near Notre Dame um, all through elementary school. I actually went to a Christian boarding school all four years of high school uh, where I lived there and worked and went to school. 
and met my wife there. Uh, then I went to college for digital art and design in Winter Park, Florida at Full Sail University. Uh, received my bachelor's degree there in 2009. Uh, from there, I went to work as a web developer for the company that owned Musicians Friend, uh, or owned Guitar Center, sorry. Um, yeah, I, I kind of started to get into uh, cigars a little bit uh, during college. I smoked a couple with uh, some friends and roommates, but never really stuck with it. Um, upon moving back to Indiana, I, I really got into the cigar thing. I had a really fortunate uh, turn of events where I ended up working right near one of the oldest cigar shops probably in the country. It's, it's been around for over 100 years, uh, Regal's Pipe Tobacco and Cigar Shop in yeah. Fort Wayne, Indiana. And I was fortunate enough that the, uh, the gentlemen that worked at the location I frequented, they were very, very deep into pipes and pipe tobacco sales. They had a lot of knowledge, about 80 years combined knowledge between the father and son. And they really, they taught me the proper way to pack and smoke and enjoy a pipe, uh, which I'm still, still working on. I am a somewhat impatient person, and uh, yeah, I, I tend to smoke my pipe a little too quickly, and I do the same thing with cigars, uh, despite conscious effort to not do that. But it's a uh, it's a it's a good in, good experience every time I I go and smoke a pipe, and I'm starting to do so more frequently now, which I'm really enjoying. Uh, I typically go towards the uh, uh, what you call Virginia blends, when I'm picking out pipe tobaccos. I, I like to have a strong measure of Virginia tobacco in just about whatever I smoke. Uh, I tend to go on the side of lightly aromatic, but not fully aromatic as well. Uh, one of my favorites is fully aromatic, though. I love the uh, county cork that I've, I've heard is uh, maybe not going to be around much longer. Yeah, don't, uh, don't tell too many people. Yeah, so... But, uh, yeah, I, uh, I started Box Press Radio with a couple of friends um, back in 2013, I believe. And we uh, just started recording about two to three hour shows every week. And we're up over like 115 shows at this point. It's uh, really been a good time. It's not hard to convince us to sit around and smoke cigars and drink bourbon and other whiskey and talk about uh, life in general, as well as the tobacco industry. So let, let's go back to your first uh, your your first impressions of a cigar. What you know? How'd you get started? Did you have some help picking out cigars when you first started? Yeah. So uh, I went into Regal's Tobacco in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and. I asked, hey, you know, what is, what is a good cigar to start with? I'm new, but I, I want to have something that's really good. I don't want to smoke, you know, I don't want an acid. Uh, I knew they were sweet, and I don't really like sweet stuff. I don't eat candy or cake or anything like that, even uh, as far as food goes. So they recommended me, you know, they kind of started me off strong. I started with Padron Thousand Series cigars, and things that were, you know, of similar peppery ilk. 
and I really enjoyed those right from the beginning. And ever since then, I've been smoking medium to full cigars uh, with the very occasional uh, mild to medium. Was your path into pipe tobacco similar? And, and I guess what really interests me is what was your impressions of the pipe tobacco versus the early cigars? Sure. So the pipe tobacco actually was a product of me hanging out in the cigar shop and people constantly coming in and having bulk tobacco blended for them. And any time that happened, the room would smell so incredible. Uh, I finally said, hey, can I try out some pipe tobacco if I buy a corncob pipe? And they were like, oh, yeah, of course. You know, let us show you how to do it the proper way and everything. And I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it tasted great. I liked the blends that I sampled. I really didn't have any that I hated, and I still don't have any that I refuse to smoke. I, I tend to stay away from the periques and that sort of thing. Uh, that's not really to my taste quite. But the problem for me was the amount of time and care that it took to smoke a pipe. And I really enjoy the simplicity of just sitting down after work and smoking a cigar. Um, I didn't want to take the time to, to enjoy the pipe properly. And I'm just now starting to get to a point where I feel that that's something that I want to do. Do you think the uh, you know the the ritual of packing the pipe and or selecting the pipe, selecting the tobacco, packing it? Do you think that's a bit of a of a barrier to to entry for some of the people your age? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't think it's even an age thing. I think it is a product of our times. Everything is about fast, quick, easy, instant gratification right now of any age. Uh, obviously, there are the old-timers old that are slowing down, and it's they enjoy the ritual and whatnot, but the vast majority of people, I feel like it's a barrier to entry because especially if you're trying to unwind, you probably already have other rituals and other things that you do uh, in order to do that. And a pipe or a cigar, when you have to choose between, well, do I just pick out a cigar I know I like or do I, you know, pack a pipe bowl and get my tamper and my pipe cleaner and, you know, I got to have the right lighter. Um, you know, it, it can be a bit of a thing. So is, is it fair to say that it's more of a personality thing than it is a, an age thing? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think so. I know, uh, you know, my generation tends to be more impatient, and I definitely am. <laughs> but it's also a matter of uh, what I'm comfortable with. I started with cigars, and then I went to pipe. Had it been the other way around, maybe I would have a totally different point of view. Was there something that surprised you about the taste of, of pipe tobacco or the experience that you weren't expecting? Yes. The biggest thing that surprised me is the way that the flavor of the pipe tends to coat your mouth and your palate. Once I, once I smoke a pipe during the day, I tend not to go and smoke a cigar, or even a lot of the time I won't even drink whiskey for a few hours afterwards because I feel like I can't have the flavor of the whiskey without the pipe flavor unless I am intentionally mixing those flavors um, 
and then obviously that's pretty easy to do that way. But yeah, that that to me was the the most surprising factor was how much that flavor was overwhelming. Whereas with cigars, it's more of a subtle but more spice-oriented flavor for the majority. That, I, I mean, that makes sense to me because you're you're right. It does the the pipe smoke tends to tends to just go all over the place and. But yet, sometimes for me, if I've smoked a cigar and then I go back to the pipe afterwards, uh, the pipe seems to be muted. Sure. I mean, you're, you're intermingling those flavors, and cigars do have a tendency to be more, I don't know if pungent is the right word, but uh, the flavors are very direct. And I think I just get more of a creamy-coated mouthfeel from a pipe. Um, it really, it just has a different texture to me, I guess is what I'm getting at. Now, one of my uh, favorite questions is uh, to ask people, what was their first pipe? Uh, my first pipe was a corncob pipe. It was a simple, um, I don't even know, do they have brands? I, I just picked up the generic corncob at the cigar shop. Yeah, probably just a Missouri Meerschaum. Yeah, I, I'm sure. Um, it, it was the orange or yellow uh, stem. It yeah. didn't. I I didn't buy the black one. I, I liked the look of the orange. I felt it went with the corn cob. <laughs> um, and it was just. It really was just a a way for me to explore my curiosity of whether or not that pipe tobacco tasted as good as it smelled when every Buddy was buying it, um, and actually, the first pipe tobacco is the pipe tobacco that I smoke the most of today. Uh, it is a blend called Carolina Deluxe. It is a bulk tobacco from Regal's in Fort Wayne. So they kind of hit you right on the head, right on hit the nail right on the head for you the first time out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the uh, the people that work there knew me really well at this point. I had been going in there every day, um, probably five days a week at least, for almost a year at that point, if not more. And I was good friends with them, and they knew my taste well at that point. So it made it pretty easy for them to direct me to what I might like, uh, knowing that I didn't want something overwhelmingly sweet, but I wanted something that would have a good room note, and it was just overall pleasant. We're going to take a break right here. When we come back, we're going to talk about the podcast. We'll talk about booze and pairings and a whole bunch more. So stay with us. We'll be back in just a minute. I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell and Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. Since 1990, Cornell and Deal has been producing high-quality pipe tobacco expertly blended by hand using time-honored methods, unique recipes, and no small amount of innovation. One example of such innovation is our bestseller, Autumn Evening. We start with whole leaf red Virginia and strip the stems by hand. The tobacco is then cut into ribbons and cooked for two days according to our unique recipe to create our special red Virginia Cavendish. Then we infuse the tobacco while it's still hot with our secret flavoring to achieve the sublime sweetness, 
deep flavor and delightful aroma that makes autumn evening so well loved by our loyal customers and everyone around them as they enjoy this very special blend. Cornell and Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. It's a labor of love. Contact your local or online retailer for information. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show visiting with Dan Barnes. And all right, Dan, so the, the podcast is called Box Press Radio. And just uh, it, it's fair to say that it's um, uh, just some it's some young people hanging out talking about stuff and might be a little uh, might be a little more irreverent than uh, than some of the stuff we do here on this show. Yeah, it is a podcast with myself and then the regular co-hosts, uh, Andrew and Angelo, who are husband and wife. And we get together every week, and we smoke cigars, occasionally a pipe, and drink whiskey and beer. Uh, we talk about tobacco industry news, alcohol industry news, and frequently have guests from all of those different industries as well. And yes, it, it is very not safe for work. Uh, it occasionally, I would say, you you could rate it X on occasion. We go pretty pretty deep into some weird stuff on that show, and um, you know, there's really no no rules on our show, but we definitely do have a structure that we follow at least. So it's more uh, conversational and and actual impressions as you're doing it at that moment. Yeah, we we do have show notes when we record the show, but we are not afraid of tangent, and it is a conversational show. We like the long-form discussion format, and we took inspiration from uh, the Joe Rogan Experience podcast as well as pretty much everything that Kevin Smith does. (laughs) So what are some of the... uh, I I love bourbons. uh, I love most whiskeys. But what are some of the surprising... Uh, bourbons and whiskeys that you've tried? Uh, surprising as in like I didn't expect them to be good or how do you mean? <laughs> yeah, like you were surprised at how good they were or you were surprised at, uh, well, let's do this. The ones that surprised you at how good they were first. <laughs> sure. Uh, so I, most recently the one that I was really shocked that I liked was something called Big House Bourbon. It looked really cheesy. It was very cheap, about $17 for a uh, fifth of it. It was just very, very inexpensive, and I it was the only thing I could find in the town that I was in that day. <laughs> and I was like, well, this is probably going to need to be turned into an old-fashioned or a Manhattan or anything to cover some of the flavor and uh, I was pleasantly surprised. I, I like to drink my whiskey neat or with a ice cube. And it was actually pleasantly aromatic. It had a good, smooth flavor. It did not taste boozy and was not offensive to the palate at all. Um, but, yeah, I was, I was really pleased with that one. Uh, I also tried a local whiskey called uh, Indiana... Was it Indiana Whiskey Company bourbon? They only do a white corn whiskey and they do a bourbon whiskey, and it's aged only for six months in the barrel, and then it is um, it is served. It's sold, and I expected it to be very harsh and similar to another local place. I was not so happy with their whiskey, 
But it, I was pleasantly surprised. And at thirty dollars a bottle, it's affordable. Uh, it definitely tastes more like a six to ten year aged product. And I think a lot of that comes from their pot still that they had made right in South Bend, Indiana, and they do everything by hand rather than having the German still that does the whole process from start to finish. Were there some high-priced name-brand bourbons that you tried that you said, what the hell is this stuff? So, I mean, most of the time I'm not finding anything that's, you know, actively bad or offensive when you get into the expensive realm of whiskey. Usually it's definitely drinkable, but often not up to snuff on flavor, in my opinion, for what you're spending on it. Uh, I, I tried some Angel's Envy for the first time because everybody had been telling me how incredible it was. And honestly, I was a little underwhelmed. It was by no means bad but I really didn't think it was everything that everybody made it out to be. And there's a lot of whiskey out there that I would drink over that. Um, But other than that, I mean, no, like usually the more expensive it is, uh, as long as you know what kind of flavor profile to expect, they're usually pretty on the money as far as I'm concerned. Was there a pairing of a cigar and and a bourbon or a whiskey that you thought was just incredible? One that stands out in your mind? Um, I'm a big fan of Buffalo Trace. Yeah. Anything with the nice medium body, I feel, goes well with that. Uh, You don't want to have too much pepper in the cigar. I feel like there's a particular style of cigar rather than a particular cigar itself that pairs very well. Because that's, I mean, that's all going to be based on personal taste. But anything with a medium body, uh, some of the things that come to mind, the Ventura um, Psycho, I think it is, Psycho 7, maybe, uh-huh. uh, that, that cigar really stands out to me as something that's got the right profile for what I want to pair with a good bourbon whiskey. It really goes well because it has some of the flavors that, that go along with the notes in the bourbon, and then it also does not overpower it. And vice versa, it's not overpowered by the bourbon either. It can stand up to it. Um, I actually don't uh, promote people drinking beer with their cigars most of the time either because it tends to, one overpowers the other, or you end up not even having something strong enough to taste if it doesn't. And I just I feel like those two things are better enjoyed separately. Have you done any pipe tobacco slash bourbon whiskey pairings? You know what? I, I've actually never done that. I, I got to be honest with you. It's never. Uh, it's never been. It's never been a thing where I have bourbon with me when I smoke a pipe. One of the times I frequently smoke a pipe is either uh, while taking a break or on the way back from doing some rabbit hunting or some kind of hunting where you don't have to worry about smell. Uh, and then also I'll be, you know, over at a friend's place or I'll be at a shop somewhere and someone wants me to try something. Uh, it's, it's actually not that common that I smoke a pipe at home up until very recently here. And, um, I may have to give that a shot, uh, tonight or tomorrow. 
And as we talked about on your show, you're going to try to make it to the Chicago Pipe Show, which is just an hour and 20-minute drive for you. So you'll uh, you'll get a chance to see a whole bunch of pipes and pipe tobacco and uh, maybe even try some bourbons while you're there. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I, I absolutely plan on attending the Chicago Pipe Show this year. I'll have a few friends with me from the Fort Wayne Cigar Club. And uh, I'm sure it'll be a fantastic time. All right. So the other thing that you guys deal with occasionally is what I call the sci-fi geek culture. Uh, and you've got some episodes where you guys discuss all a whole bunch of stuff that's all new to me. Um, <laughs> but does the does the geek culture work well with uh, with cigar and pipe smoking? Is it is it getting is, are cigars and pipes more pop getting more popular amongst the uh, comic book kids? You know, it actually is. There is there's a pretty strong crossover between a lot of um, a lot of entertainers, a lot of comic book characters, even uh, that enjoy tobacco in various styles. So there there is that, but more so than that, I think a lot more people from my generation and even younger than me are just kind of into both things. A lot more young people are smoking pipes and cigars, so it's only natural that there's going to be more crossover when the the sample sizes just get bigger overall, Um, as well as the increase in interest with comics. I mean, look at the Marvel films and, you know, just Deadpool coming out and making tons and tons of money in one day. You know, it, it sparked an interest in people that may may have been cigar and pipe smokers that now are also getting into geek culture as well. And I want to ask you, because it's now long and been out long enough that we can actually talk spoiler stuff. Um, I'm old enough to have seen Star Wars Episode Four in the theaters. Uh, did you see Episode Seven, and what did you think? Yeah, I, I went and saw it opening weekend, and I loved it. I thought it was incredible. I thought they did a good amount of fan service while giving it enough new stuff, enough new characters, and still made it feel like Star Wars. You know, I, I got goosebumps while I was watching that movie about eight separate times. Uh, have you seen it more than once in the theater? Uh, no, we don't. My wife and I aren't huge fans of actually going to the theater. It's pretty rare that we do. And uh, we I would love to go watch it again in the theater, but there are other things that I have to do with my time and money, unfortunately. Well, I'll tell you, you did the same thing that I did. I saw it once in the theater, and I thought about going back again, but then I also thought, you know what, instead of spending that money... I'll save it, and when it comes out on DVD, I'll buy it right away, and then I'll sit back and watch it on my own TV with my pipe and puff away at it. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm looking forward to being able to sit down and watch it and uh, enjoy a pipe and relax and just kind of soak in some of the stuff that I might have missed the first time around. Yeah. Uh, now going back to going back to the the dynamics of your podcast you've got a a husband and wife on there uh do they sometimes have a a disagreement of 
do they disagree with each other? Do they oftentimes agree with each other? Oh, I mean, I, I would say, yeah, they definitely don't always agree, but, um, you know, they, they've been married long enough, and they have two children together, and they see eye to eye on the important things, and then as far as taste goes, uh, Angela, the wife, she started out only smoking flavored cigars and actually preferring pipe tobacco because of the aromatics being more uh, sweet and easy to enjoy as far as a flavor, you know, flavor profile that's comfortable for a young palate. Uh, she did well with that, and she's starting to get more into medium to full-bodied cigars. So we actually all usually end up smoking the same thing on the show at this point. I I've got to listen to more episodes because I want to hear her point of view on a bunch of the on a bunch of the tobacco products because I think women sometimes just nail it right out of the box. Where some of us guys, it takes us a while to figure out what we're tasting and what we're experiencing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she definitely is uh, very concise about what she thinks of flavors. Um, but I will tell you, we do have a really bad habit of smoking a lot of the same stuff on the show. <laughs> um, it's uh, it's one of those things where you kind of go back to what you like more often than not. And then when we smoke something new on the show, uh, she definitely is the first one to tell us how she feels about it. <laughs> well, Dan, we'll wrap this up with the Fast Five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Yep, I'm ready for you. Should be a simple one for you. What is your favorite pipe? My favorite pipe? Yep. Corn cob. And what is your favorite tobacco? Carolina Deluxe, the bulk blend from Regals. Now the really hard one for you. What's your favorite drink? My favorite drink is Buffalo Trace Bourbon. And even though you've got a one-year-old, when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Uh, I prefer video games. <laughs> I guess that's a movie that you kind of live in. Yeah, I mean, I, I do watch a lot of movies, so I guess of those three, probably a movie... Uh, I do tend to read a lot of books, but um, I guess I don't really consider that relaxing for some reason. And then the last question will be the toughest for you, because you're relatively new into this, but do you have a particularly favorite pipe-smoking-related memory? You know what? Yeah, I actually do. Um, I went and did a beer-tasting event at a Fraternal Order of Police fundraiser, and... They had a uh, cigar event paired with it, but one of my good friends, Mikey, he, uh, he's a pipe smoker only. He quit smoking cigars entirely and only smokes pipe tobacco at this point. And he uh, was hanging out until the end of the event well afterwards, and I actually had a pipe with me, and we just kind of sat down at the end of the event. There was, you know, maybe like three people left in the building, and we just kind of sat down out on the porch and had a really, really good conversation for about two hours and just 
sat back and enjoyed a pipe. And it's one of the only times I've ever been able to light a pipe once and not have to relight that thing. And it just, it went perfectly when I didn't think about it. That sounds like one of those, uh, what I call magical moments. Um, but we've got a little bit more time, and sometimes with the uh, with the newer or younger pipe smokers, I let them ask me a question. Do you have something that you want to ask ask me? Yeah. So everybody out there always talks about the correct way to smoke a pipe, or light a pipe, pack a pipe, enjoy a pipe, whatever the case is, the right way to do things. I don't see a lot of people talking about, you know, maybe lesser known pitfalls or things you shouldn't do. Uh, as far as things that might, you know, reduce the enjoyment of the pipe or any tips as to things to avoid at all costs. Oh, boy. Things to avoid at all costs. Um, I mean, the, the first thing that, I, that comes to my mind that you should avoid at all costs is, is taking a tobacco. Uh, somebody suggests a tobacco to you that's absolutely wonderful. To, in their opinion and you just it just doesn't work for you and you're trying to figure out how to make it work it's just don't don't rely on somebody else's absolute go-to blend is going to be the most wonderful blend you've ever had um, I think the other thing that I see a lot of people doing that I that just I know they're doing a disservice to themselves is not using enough pipe cleaners. Um, I carry a pipe cleaner with me during every pipe. Sometimes it's stuck behind my left ear. Um, but I use it during the smoke to get the moisture out of the stem and just keep the, and keep the pipe smoking dry. And I think a lot of times people are too afraid to uh, use up pipe cleaners during the smoke and afterwards to keep the pipe clean. I just think they're uh probably i guess i would say they're too cheap to uh yeah, to spend the money on pipe cleaners uh but a good dry pipe is going to be your best friend that makes sense yeah absolutely yeah that makes a lot of sense that's good to know for sure all right so the uh uh box press radio is available on iTunes and i guess you're on Facebook and are you on that tw- that that tweeter thing and anything else where people can reach out to you yeah so we we actually have a main website boxpressradio.com that'll lead you anywhere you want to go uh to find our show or our social media uh or even to contact us and then, yeah, we're absolutely on iTunes and all of your podcast apps, pretty much any of them you can imagine. Uh, it's, it's pretty easy to find us, and we do the show on a mostly weekly basis uh, when, when possible. So, yeah, just look for the show and make, make sure you have some time set aside or pick the segments that you want to listen to. And like a pipe, if you need to pause it, you can get up and pause it, and it'll the podcast will be there waiting for you when you're ready again. Yeah, absolutely. That is that is one of the beauties of podcasting. It's radio with pause button. Dan, thank you for joining us. We're looking forward to seeing you in Chicago. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on the show. It's been a wonderful experience, and I can't wait to see you in person. We'll be back in just a minute. Craftsmanship.
History, tradition, these are the hallmarks of all quality products. From the finest wines bottled in France to the most highly engineered automobiles manufactured in Germany, Denmark has been the one country in the world where craftsmanship, history and tradition have for centuries created the finest pipe tobaccos in the world. Since 1887, the Halberg family have led the pipe tobacco industry through their ownership of Mac Baron Tobacco Company and they continue to create the most sought-after blends in the world today, just as they did over 100 years ago. In keeping with their long history of providing the world with the best tobacco on earth, Mac Barron is proud to announce their newest creation, Modern Virginia, as a loose-cut version and a flake version. Bright and dark, rich Virginia tobaccos have been combined with just a hint of burley for strength in this soft and smooth smoke with delicious fruit undertones. As the world leader in flake tobacco production, Mac Barron is sure that this blend will appeal to the true connoisseurs of traditional Virginia flake tobacco, as well as those who like their tobaccos on the sweeter side. Enjoy the culmination of centuries of experience by picking up a tin of Modern Virginia from Mac Barron Tobacco Company. Available at fine tobacconists everywhere. This is Internet Radio. We are back and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm still thinking about what, uh, what Dan said about how the pipe smoke fills your mouth and how a cigar is very focused. And I've been... Uh, taste testing and sampling some cigars recently and i've and i i wonder if that's some of what i was feeling the difference of anyway uh, i do notice that after i smoke a cigar kind of feel a little heavy or a little uh I, I don't know overwhelmed from it all right for um for music this week we've got another piece that was uh brought to us by uh the world famous dino and uh, this one is Earl Father Hines and his orchestra backing Billy Eckstein. And it's called uh, Stormy Monday Blues. So, hope you like this. Thank <laughs> you. 
both uh, Earl Hines and Billy Eckstein, uh, devotees of the pipe. That was recorded in uh, 1945. Well, let's see what's in the mail. In the mailbag, we start off with an email from my friend Dan Locklear, and he says, Dear Brian, I enjoyed your well-done interview with William Surad. Uh, he's a gifted man and a skilled blender to boot. Uh you may enjoy giving a listen to Carl Orff's most famous piece, Carmina Burana. Uh, my guess is you've heard its first section many times. And then he goes on to say, to be able to now pin a pipe-smoking composer to it, now would only add to your delight. All right, so um, we played uh, Orff's uh, schoolwork, and uh, Dan sends me this link to... This Carmina Burana, and I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing it wrong, but I apologize. And I'm, I, I can tell you, the minute I clicked play, I was, I heard it, and I was wondering now, where exactly have I heard it before? And I've heard it before a couple of times on on a regular basis. Where have I heard it before? And finally, it jogged my memory, and. This is where I've heard it before. That is from Ozzy Osbourne's live-recorded tribute album, and Ozzy used to open his shows playing that piece, and I never knew what it was. Well, now I know it's the pipe-smoking Carl Orff, and Ozzy used it to open his show, and uh, coincidentally, we've been using Ozzy Osbourne to open our show now for, uh, I don't know, 181 weeks or so? Anyway, a little serendipity there. I spent uh, the entire Sunday afternoon listening to that piece over and over again in the background. It's quite a beautiful piece over an hour. If you want to go find it, listen to it. It's wonderful. All right, regular mailbag. Uh, John Seiler writes, IPSD, I smoked a pipe. Several. Sounds like John's regular day now that he's retired. Uh, anyway, he goes on to write, I don't believe I have met Robert Bittner. Like your guest, I also seem to have a reaction to Perique tobacco in a blend. I can tolerate a Latakia blend every now and then. However, it tends to dry out my throat. It leaves all the fine Virginia blends for me to enjoy. I find it interesting that he was influenced early on by the blends of the Tinderbox, as many of us were. Uh, music, Groucho Marx, Lydia the Tattooed Lady, interesting. Haven't heard that style of music in many years. Yeah, that's a, a real flashback to vaudeville. Uh, rant, Twitter use, letting them know when they are wrong, especially with respect to smoking, may get you some satisfaction, but I wonder if it really does. Sorry, Brian, but I do not do Twitter. Gotta draw the line somewhere as there is so much electronic pollution going on. Nice show. Uh, that does remind me, I have several new Twitter followers, so thanks for doing that. And if you see me tweet something about uh, 
uh, anti uh, about smoking sections, just retweet it and heart it or whatever you do on Twitter. Anyway, uh, Winepipe writes, Howdy, really nice show. I've been listening for about a month and have listened back to episode 126 so far. <laughs> Gotta warn them, they get worse the farther back you go. Um, he goes on to write, So far, um, okay, I was smoking my old friend a Shalom pipe when I heard you say that today's pipe parts would be on the history of that factory. Great timing as I just picked up a couple of Anderson pipes and figured they had to be made at the Shalom factory, as one of them has exactly the same styling of rustication with smooth windows but a different shape to uh, to the Shalom I was smoking during your show. Okay, I was going to look it up, and there you were with the info. Here's the good timing. Glad I could help. Uh, and uh, musical director Dino writes, uh, Nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition or to hear ravings of a fellow Python fan on your show. However, you are absolutely right. It was indeed a fun conversation with a very entertaining Mr. Bittner. Uh, As you have noted many times, the pipe community is a stunningly diverse and eclectic one, and therein lies the richness and serendipity of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Thank you, Dino. Uh, And thank you, Dino. Uh, Jabo writes, Brian, great show. Shalom Pipes. Now that's something else to start collecting. Poor Robert, sell your pipes for marriage. Oh, well, I sold some guns for my wife's wedding rings. <laughs> wedding rings and guns, both will kill you. Uh, uh, and then he says, uh, okay, a good excuse to buy more anyway. Great show. Thank you. Um, let's see. Uh, New Broom writes, a very enjoyable broadcast. What a heartbreaking, memorable pipe story. A first smoke burnout in a pipe that you've longed to get. And finally, oh, no, for <laughs> Fresh Penzance, is that a thing? Uh, Groucho always makes me smile, and that's from Mike. And then from uh, Bob Bittner, uh, thanks so much for having me on the show, Brian. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Of course, after we chatted, I realized I never mentioned the biggest writing project I'm currently doing. I'm researching my first book-length biography of 60s stage hypnotist Pat Collins. If anyone here has any personal memories of her, I'd love to hear about it. Thanks again. Uh, One more little tidbit. One of my best friends from high school who starred in our 8mm movies and participated in our Python parties is now a dresser working on Broadway. And when Spamalot opened, he had the surreal pleasure of getting to meet all of the surviving Pythons. Yeah, so if you got any of that, uh, got any information on Pat Collins, reach out to uh, Mr. Bittner and he'll uh, appreciate that. Uh, He also reminded me that I aired to play one of his uh, comedic commercials. So the only reason I forgot to do it is lazy bookkeeping. So here it is. This is Plip Peterson reporting. Today I'm at Leaf Laboratories with brand new pipe maker Jerry Shankman, who has discovered what he believes is a new pipe material that has been long overdue. Yeah, good to see you, Plip. So what's the problem with briar, Jerry? Well, look at a campfire. Burning wood. Forest fires. Burning wood. Wood burns. So we're going to be introducing a pipe made out of an incredibly inexpensive material that will never burn. And that is... Cardboard. And our supplier guarantees that it's 100% 
inflammable. You do know that flammable and inflammable mean the same thing. I don't think so, but see for yourself. Our testing lab's right next door, and they're trying out our prototypes even as we speak. My eyebrows! I've lost my eyebrows! Quick, get the water! I think my nasal hairs are on fire! Huh. You may be onto something there, Plip. And so the search continues. This is Plip Peterson reporting. Back to you, Brian. Mm, say, uh, what have you heard about this asbestos stuff? First he wanted to uh, write about cardboard. Now he's making pipes out of cardboard. Uh, and what's funny is the asbestos, hey, back in the 50s and 60s, some pipes were uh, lined with asbestos. All right, everybody, hold on. Rant time next. What are you looking for in a pipe? Is it the quality of aged briar? Is it a certain shape or finish? Maybe it's the sound engineering that ensures an effortless, smooth draw with each and every puff. That's exactly the kind of pipe Savinelli has delivered for generations now. With such a variety of shapes, finishes, and sizes, it's easy to find something that fits your sensibility and style. Just this year, we've expanded our lineup to include the Bianca, the Lancelotto, the 2015 collection, and the final installment in the Leonardo da Vinci line, the Vitruvio. For a bolder style, try our more colorful 2015 editions as well. The exotic cashmere, the sultry licoricea, and the striking archipelago red. So whatever you're looking for in a pipe, know there's a Savinelli waiting for you. Contact your local or online retailer to find your Savinelli today. kids because i'm gonna take on the uh, race issue all right so i am uh, witty sarcastic self-deprecating and i will joke around about anybody or anything and i don't care i joke around about it doesn't mean that i believe it i like everybody as long as they're a good person but the academy awards got accused of being a white only club because they didn't have any nominations for black or african-american uh, actors or directors or whatever it was well you know what i'm sorry maybe there wasn't any that were that good this year you know by coming out and saying that you have to nominate people because of their color or because of their origin doesn't make it a true awards show anymore it's not an industry awards show it becomes pressurized to Confine, you know, to conform to what the races are. Well, that's bullshit if you ask me. If you ask me, it should be absolutely blind to what shape or color or size or ethnicity the performers are. That's the way the entire humanity should be blind. We shouldn't have to address ourselves as African Americans or American Americans or Asian Americans or in my case a Jewish American. No, in my case I happen to be an American. I'm born here, I'm raised here. My religious heritage does not come into it as to where I grew up and where I'm from. 
by keeping these labels on stuff, we keep people segregated. By doing that and saying that, oh, well, we have to include, uh, you know, you have to have at least one Asian American, one uh, Latin American, and one African American nominated. Well, that makes everything no longer an equal playing field. It puts unfair pressures on there. And besides that, I watched the Academy Awards. I thought what Chris Rock did with his uh, routines was funny but got annoying after a while and the one thing that they did say at the end that i liked was hey we'll see you at the bet awards over the summer so got their own award show all right i want a, a pipe smoking award show everybody has to be a pipe smoker in order to get an award how's that sound all right uh thank you all for tuning in uh don't forget uh jdrf auctions coming up soon a uh, couple of pipe shows coming up hope you all get yourself out to one i hope i get to see you at one uh any comments post them on the uh, pipes magazine radio show page on pipesmagazine.com if you're on facebook like the pipes magazine radio show page there uh while you're there send me a friend request and uh, follow me on Twitter at my own at on my own opinion, and we'll uh, shout out and yell out to uh, anti uh, to unfair smoking places. All right, I want to thank uh, Dan Barnes for joining me, and thank you again for tuning in. Until next time. Who cares about the clouds when we're together? Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy Hey, what's happening, Norm? Uh, the doggy dog world, Sammy, and I'm wearing milk bone underwear. <laughs> <laughs>